Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Lord, would you help us to be people who are compelled by your life, compelled by your peace. Help us to know what your peace looks like. Help us to be transformed into the kinds of people who are drawn into a Christ-formed kind of life where we look for and we enjoy and we also provide that peace for others. Lord, would we be the kinds of people today that as we look to your word, that we would we would recognize in ourselves where we have fallen for a counterfeit. Show us the places where we have deceived ourselves, where we have participated with the kind of peace that the world brings. Help us to recognize and notice and call out in ourselves the earthly kind of peace that you said that you provide us, some kind of peace. Help us to pay attention to what that is that is not like the world gives. Lord, so much is moving at such a quick pace that we often don't have time to stop. And Lord, would we not let our life as your church be more of the same, more of the same pushing and fighting and edging out but today would we rest knowing that your peace will surpass our understanding and that it will guard our hearts in Christ in Jesus name we pray amen well good morning church I'm glad to be here again if you liked that um, the art the artist is Audrey Assad and I will shamelessly play and uh, plug her into all spaces. She's one of my favorite artists. But um, that came out very early in 2020, and it's something that grounded me. It was something that really put words to a longing and a hope that I had as things felt like at the the picture that keeps coming up for me is, is that we were all standing on a block of ice and then something hit that ice and we slowly just started to see these pieces of ice moving away from each other. And people that were longing to be close to people couldn't because we had, uh, we had a, a lot of rules on how to be socially distanced as if what we needed in that moment was distance from each other. <laughs> like, we... We long for that closeness, and we knew that, that um, things felt like they were drifting apart. And I think that it's in a world like that where, where we sense people are drifting apart, where we sense the pain, where we sense longing, where we sense, Lord, where are you going to show up? And how long our hearts would cry out, how long Oh, Lord, do we have to have this kind of reality, that it's in that kind of world where hope is strained, where things are painful, where we can't sense the peace 
that we long for, but not just a peace that we long for or that's somewhere off in the distant future. It's a peace that we know has been experienced. It's a peace that we read about. It's a peace that we, we have evidence for in our Lord that we say, where is that now? It's in that kind of world that Jesus comes. It's in that kind of world. It's in a world like ours now where God makes his name known. And so we can call on it. We can say, Lord, show up. And we can look out at all of the things happening in Advent and we can continue on and we can just press and press and press or we can pause. And we can say, Lord, where are you at? Where are you showing up in the humble ways that you incarnate yourself with us as we long for peace and hope and joy? Where are those smaller pockets of the humble and the quiet and the overlooked people? Where are we finding you in the mangers of our day? And so that is why we participate in Advent. We look to it as a model of what it means to be Christ-formed people at a time right now where it seems like every other part is pushing us into a pace that would not allow us to recognize the smaller ways in which Christ incarnates himself into our presence all the time. And are we moving at a pace? Are we, are we practicing rhythms that help us pay attention to where Christ is? I have a question for all of us as we read through the text today. When is the last time that you felt peace? And that's not some sort of... Um, I'm, I'm not asking that hyperbolically. I'm, I'm asking you to actually reflect... When is the last time that you felt true peace? Um, if you are new to our community, I usually don't intro this way. I usually say hi first. But my name is Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor here. And um, if you are new to church, if you are new to our community, or if you are just new to any place that participates with liturgy and uses words like Advent, that might even be a strange thing for you to hear. I know growing up, I did not hear a lot of liturgical terms, and I was taught to be afraid of Catholics. Not taught, but it was just this thing where it felt like they were over there, and they did things with a lot of words, and we did other things over here. And so I didn't know that the crossover could actually be a beautiful <laughs> space. And so if these words or things like uh, lighting candles or participating in communion are new to you or if you have questions on why we do the things that we do, I would hope that you would actually know that this is a community we're asking questions of why do we do the things that we do is a question that we welcome and we long for you to ask it because it helps open our eyes to communicate that it is important that we pay attention to why we do the things that we do. And so participating in Advent is something that we are in for the next few weeks. And Advent is a period of time where we reflect on what it means that Christ chose to incarnate himself into a 
humble baby in a very contentious place and how that is important for us as a model of where we can find Christ in times where things are hectic and crazy and chaotic. And so it helps us to pause, reflect, and also prepare our eyes and the eyes of our hearts to actually see this is where Christ chooses to show up always. This is where Christ chooses to insert himself into our crazy world all the time, and it helps us to slow down. And so our theme is the thrill of hope. And I'll be honest, um, as I was preparing to teach today, because the Advent theme for this week is peace, and you'll hear me use that word a lot, um, I don't feel like I'm the right person to be up here. Um, talking about hope and peace, I was recently at a Psalms retreat with a bunch of other pastors, and we went through a lot of practices where we learned how to write psalms, and we wrote psalms of lament, faith, hope, all of these things, and we were provided with amazing teaching. And I realized that when it came time to write my psalm of hope, that was my wall. That's where I had the hardest time, was hoping. I and I made a commitment as I drove up the hill to this, to this retreat that I was not going to pretend. I was committed. I'm going to be honest. Um, and thankfully, I did not know a lot of the other people there. So I felt free to be honest in all the ways that I needed to. Um, but as I was up there, I realized when I was being honest with myself that hope was the hardest place. And so the thrill of hope is not just this thing that I'm going to come and we're just going to show up every week and pretend like we all have this thrill of hope and then we go out into our world for every hour following and we struggle. What I would hope is that when we look at this picture of this mother holding her child is that the thrill of hope is something that we long to see and we fight to see. And we participate in when we understand what it means for us when we're out there, when we are out there working, when we're caring for people who are houseless. How is the thrill of hope? What is that calling us into as Christ-formed people? I don't even have this any in my notes yet. So we're about. So that's my preamble, and now we can get started. Um, the theme this week is peace. Can I pull up that first slide? So there's a couple concepts that I want to talk about. There's the Old Testament Hebrew word shalom, and you've probably heard that. That was a common blessing that people would say as they would enter a house. Shalom to you, shalom on this house. It was the pronouncement of blessing. And I remember when we talked about this word in our community a couple years ago, the term that we came up with that resonated so powerfully for me was nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. It connotates this restored reality where it's not just comfort. It's saying that when all things are brought back together, that there's something beautiful in the restoration. When things are restored, 
that are broken. And that is the Greek word irene, and it means to join. It literally is a term that was talking about joining together things which had been separated. So when they would use that term, it was not just talking about people. It was anything, anything that was broken apart when you brought it back together. That was irene. And um, I remember when I uh, came on staff here, um, I was used to uh, church work where I worked with college students quite a bit, and uh, we were kind of in our own room off to the side, and so we were, as long as we didn't cause too many problems, we were doing okay. We just don't cause a stir, don't, don't be an issue, and that was considered a success, but I did not have a lot of history with honest workplace kind of church relationships where people would call me out on my stuff. And then I came to LBCF, and it became a very regular practice on staff that we would make it a place where people felt like they could share honestly about things happening. And I got into a really good friendship with our um, former pastor, Brandon, and I remember we were at his house one morning, he said, I just want you to consider something, and this is going to be weird for you to hear, but have you ever thought that you're a very anxious person? Ooh. And that had never entered my mind, um, because I have always been, I'm a Enneagram 7, I love the party, I love to be in the middle of things, I'm an extrovert, so the anxious part of me was never something ever reflected to me, and it sent me on this journey of asking a lot of people that I worked with what their experience of me is, and that was a really tough time (laughs) because the uh, consistent refrain is that, yeah, working with me creatively was making a lot of people anxious, And I, as a creative, always thought of myself as being very much the person who would bring peace and make peace with other people. But when it came time to collaborate and create, I was a hard person to work with. And I was not creating. I was not participating with, no matter what my self-perception is, when I was with other people, something inside of me was anxious, and I had never paid attention to it. And um, I was walking into my kitchen this morning to make breakfast before I came to church, and um, there was a picture of, of, of what I mean and what I think Christ calls us into where he says, my peace is not as the world gives. I'm, I'm calling you to a new kind of peace. Um, I real lies that the kind of peace that Christ is talking about where nothing missing, nothing broken, when he joins together in himself the things which had been separated, that very often in my life I settle for the world kind of peace, the, the, the peace that the world offers. And the reason I know that is because I was walking into my kitchen and I looked up and I realized that I had pulled the smoke alarm off of my, off the ceiling, and I don't know where I put it, but it was just because we do a lot more baking 
this time of year, and our oven just spits smoke up into our ceiling. And I'm just like, rather than dealing with that, I'm just going to take the smoke alarm off, and we're not, and that's going to provide me the peace of not having to reach up and turn it off. But I was, I was thinking that is enough peace for me at some points, is just not having the smoke alarm. And, it, and there are a lot of times where we long for a peace that will just buoy us, right? Something that will just get our head above water. But I want to make sure that what we understand is when we look at these texts that I will go through, that the peace of Christ is always reminding us and always drawing us into a reality that says, booing is not where you're meant to live. Head above water is survival. That's not thriving. You eventually need to get to dry ground where you are walking and moving and living and being. And I know that if any of you are like me, I'm not disparaging at all something that will help you buoy, something that will help you get above water. Because if you are not above water, um, you are not able to even look at your situation and understand what might need to change. And so there are a lot of things where, for me, the smoke alarm just needs to come off at some points because I need to pay attention to the cookies. And if I've got my kids asking me questions and the smoke alarm goes off, dad's not having a good time. Dad needs to go for a walk. And, if, and I find myself needing to buoy in places of my life where things feel hectic. But I want to make sure that we understand that Christ is calling us into a kind of peace where we are actually living in some sort of restored reality some sort of restored, something that has, is broken, is being made whole again. One of my favorite YouTube holes to travel into, and if you haven't yet, I highly encourage it because it's amazing, but restoration videos, if you are having a stressed out moment, just YouTube that term, and you'll find people that take really old cars that are like messed up and they make them look beautiful. And the thing that I love about those moments is that it is restoring something that was beautiful that was there the whole time. That when we look at this piece, when we look at something that is restoring, it's saying that there's a beauty that exists. There's a beauty that exists between us. If I'm in contention with you, if you're in contention with each other, if there's something broken between you and someone else, one of the things that is most amazing to remember is that there's something beautiful underneath. There's something beautiful that we can't see. There's something beautiful that something is blocking. There's rust. There's decay. There's other things that we can tend to. And I know, and it's really painful, and one of the things that happens in Advent quite a bit is people are, they're, their memories are restored about things that can't be renewed. People that have cut them off, people that we've lost, people that, that you never got to have that, that closure conversation with. There's a lot of pain of the reality also that we have to grieve that this peace that we long for might not be possible for some people and in some places. 
And I, and I would hope that if there is a shred of opportunity to restore peace, that we would take it. If there, is a, if there is an open door even this much, that we would try to press that open and try to restore. Because one of the most beautiful pieces is that when we understand that the peace Christ is calling us into says that when that door is wide open and when we are sitting across from that person that we have had contention with and there's love and there's joy and there's understanding and there's being heard, it's that kind of peace that we are drawn into. The world kind of peace is the first hour and a half of home alone, okay? I thought about this this morning. I don't know if it's a good metaphor yet, but I'm going with it. But the first hour and a half is Kevin just saying, I wish that my family would disappear. And he just gets the house to himself and he just gets to go nuts. And then at about the hour and a half mark, he realizes that what he actually wants is for his family to be there and for it to be whole. What he actually wants is for something to be restored. He does not want to just pull the fire alarm off. He actually wants the oven to not be pumping smoke into his house. He wants something fixed and so that it's beautiful and whole and that it works the way that it should. Let's go to the text now. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I would really encourage you. We will kind of circle around Ephesians chapter 2, but I just want to go through these texts and I want to highlight a couple of things that come up over and over again. This is John 14, 27. It says, my peace I leave with you My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace of Christ is something that when we pause, we can can appreciate it as a gift of Christ to us. There's something that he provides to us that we don't need to hustle. We don't need to try super hard to accomplish that when you find yourself hustling and hustling to create this peace, understand that maybe what we need is to pause and receive it. Christ's peace, he leaves with us. Next. Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so I recognize that as we go through these texts, there's going to be a lot of things which feel like they kind of fight with each other. Because I just told you that peace is something Christ gives to us. He leaves it with us. It's a gift of his. And yet, we're called to be peacemakers. And the best way that I've come to understand how the two of these things work together is that the, the peace of the world is constantly trying to um, tidy up things which are tough, but not make them whole. Constantly trying to tidy up in the peace making that Christ did on earth was to say that even in the moment when it would have been the easiest thing to curse Romans soldiers crucifying him, even in that moment that he would say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That even in those moments where it would be the absolute most justifiable thing for us to split apart, to move apart, to not 
or give, to not move towards, to not make whole, to not restore, to not look for the places where we participate with systems that say something is missing and something is broken and I'm contributing to that. And here are the reasons why it's okay. I'm very good in all of my arguments. You can ask Anessa. I'm very good at coming up with lists of reasons why I'm okay and why the way I'm behaving is all right. And I think that when we do that, we're participating with something that's broken. We're not seeing the, the, the ways that we're contributing to things, splitting apart to the piece of ice that is drawing away. What are we doing? How are we participating with a Christ-formed kind of life that is drawing back to him? Which is why he says that in me, all things hold together. In Christ, in that one place, if we are drawing back to Christ, that all things will hold together, that the peacemaking we are meant to do is that against our own intuition, against our own better judgment, I want to say, well, I want to be hesitant because I don't want to say just toss aside your good judgment, but I think that there is a temptation that all of us have to where we have a lot of justifiable reasonings why we push apart, that things make sense, why you go that way, I go that way. And in the last two years, I've seen it more than ever. People that were once close, shutting off, pushing away. And I've watched it happen a lot. And I've sort of moved away from Facebook because I just saw it happening so often that I was just like, this is not a fun place to be anymore. The cost started to outweigh the benefit for me. And I've been much happier not paying attention to Facebook, but I think that um, when we are called to make peace, Christ says, how, am I, how are you being called to live at a time where everybody is creating reason after reason to let go and to not hold and to not hold? And the, my mentor talked to me, and he was talking to me about peacemaking, and he said, peace... Makers do this. They hold on and they hold on. And he says, that's why peacemakers get crucified. They get crucified. And that's why they'll be called children of God. Next. And this is the text that I want to ask you that if you're having a hard time finding peace, Right now, take this text home, memorize it. Ephesians 2 14. I'm going to read 14 through 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This is Paul writing from prison. He understands the dividing wall of hostility that he is trying to break 
down that oftentimes the peace that Christ wants to bring, we don't want to receive that kind of peace. The kind of peace that Christ is calling us to will often challenge us and it will challenge you. The kind of peace that we actively work on will actually challenge the violence that we wish to incur on other people that says you have to pay for what you've done. And there's violence that lives in us that pushes apart and the peace that Christ wants to bring will challenge that part of us. When we look at the Exodus, the people were drawn out of captivity and sent wandering. And if any of you know the story of Exodus, what a beautiful event of rescue from captivity and bondage and sent into something, freedom, where, where it was, hey, I am drawing you into a promised land. And these people said, they, they started grumbling. I wish we could be back in Egypt where at least we had food, where at least we had the peace that the world would offer. I wish we were back in Egypt where things were a little cleaner, where we didn't have to rely on Christ, to prov- where we didn't have to rely on this God to provide us manna all the time where we didn't have to rely on each other, where we didn't have to forgive each other, where we didn't have to hold um, compassionate, loving conversations with the person on the other side of the table who politically thinks other than you. I wish we just could go back to Egypt, where things would make sense, and even though it's captivity, there's something comforting about not having to face ourselves. There's something very comfortable about the peace that the world offers. There's something very comfortable about taking the fire alarm off because at least I don't have to hear it. At least I don't have to face that reality. And that exodus wandering is something that lives inside all of us. But I think there's a reason why when we pause... It gets really uncomfortable when we start looking at when's the last time you experienced true peace. There's a reason that that gets uncomfortable and all of a sudden other flots, flots, thoughts flood in. And it's because we, we don't like to sit in that too often because there's a, there's a dissonance. We understand that we're called to something more beautiful, but it feels like we can't grasp it. Where is it? How do we do it? How do we do it when everybody, when we don't have really great examples of how to do something like that? We have a lot of, we have a lot of examples of how to create a bubble of people that look and think like you and protect you and validate you and only exist within that. We have a lot of examples and justifications of that. But the other side is a lot trickier. But I think that we understand that inside all of us that, it, that, that the Bible talks about all creation groans. It cries out for the, son, for the sons of men to come alive. It, it, it groans that, that, that there's something within us that longs for this peace that we are hearing about in A.S. 
Lewis has, has this quote that I like. He says, I find in myself, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And I like that quote, and I also don't agree with that quote. I like that quote because you have to like things that C.S. Lewis wrote, especially in mere Christianity. It's a rule. I didn't make it up. But we were made for this world. We were made to, to restore and to experience this peace here. And when we don't, it draws us into this grieving, longing, saying, Lord, how long? We need the same sort of incarnate reality of a peace that has no end. The prophet Isaiah talked about this, this, this thing where, where, the pers- where the Savior that would come would usher in a, a, a peace that would have no end. And so we long for those same things that as we sit in Advent and we look at the person of, of Jesus Christ, that we long for the reign of peace which has no end. Peace is a gift we receive and an action we take. And yet there are a lot of times where I resonate with other verses about peace. Let's go to the next text. In the peace of a God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Let's go to the next one, actually. This sometimes is how I feel about peace. They dress the wound of my people as though we're not serious. Peace, peace, they say when there is no peace. That there is also a text where, where, where Christ says, I, you think that I've come to bring peace to the world. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. So I don't mean to upend everything I've just talked about. But when we look at what's happening here, that if all peace is, is something that we say over something, or something that we, um, we pretend is happening when it's not, Peace is something that can only truly happen when we look at reality in the eyes. And if it's not happening, it's calling us into a way of, of challenging that thing that lives inside us. And I think that Christ knew that when that kind of peace is what is being offered, that that will not just be happily received by everybody, even by us, even by the peace that it's calling you to make within the complicated pieces of yourself, that it will feel like a sword, that it will actually create conflict with people that want other kinds of peace. And that's complicated. (laughs) It's complicated when if you are a non-violent person, if you are a pacifist, and I learned this in college, If you are a pacifist, I guarantee that there will be some people that are very threatened by that concept. There are people that were very upset when I would talk about nonviolence. And I understood why. But it was not that just this thing that I thought all of a sudden created peace with other people. It created a lot of conflict. And I had to sort out how do I 
manage that? How do I manage the conflict that this conviction that I feel like I'm called to is really challenging other people? And it feels more like a sword in that moment. So the last two years has got me feeling a lot more like Jeremiah's ex. I don't want to be a part of a church, a world that just says peace over something that feels no peace. I want to be a part of a group of people that says, where are we, where am I needing to draw parts back together? Where am I called to be a peacemaker with the people that actually have provided me that open door? And the reality is the grieving part is there are some people who have closed the door on you, closed the door on me. There are some people which making peace will be somebody else's responsibility. And we can pray that somebody is making peace with those people who maybe have cut you off. Or that if you have a grieving, if you have a lament of somebody who's passed away and you never had a chance to make peace with them, I pray that God would be with you because that is a heavy burden. So as we look to Advent, I would ask that, um, that we would invite Christ into these places which feel like they lack peace. That you would be an instrument of peace-making through your social media. I mean, a very simple, easy thing that we don't really just call out. But man, we have an opportunity. The church, Christian people have an opportunity to be instruments of peace in a place where there is a lot of chaos, where people feel the protection of being anonymous, where people feel the protection of being a distance. Can we be instruments of peace in that place? In the places where we see in ourselves, point the arrow at yourself, see the log in your own eyes, see our logs in our own eyes, where are we contributing to chaos? Where are we contributing to things being painful? How might you be called to create peace, to be a peacemaker? And if that stirs up in you this sort of performative, okay, I'll go earn it, I'll go make it happen, maybe Christ is saying, maybe it's time for you to pause and just understand that the peace that I bring is a gift. Maybe it's time for you to not white knuckle everything and to just hold your hands open and say, Lord, where is your peace that I need to receive? Maybe for you it's hard like it is for me to receive kind words from other people because you're suspicious or you have pain there, maybe that's a place where you can receive peace by being open-handed. For the next three weeks, where would Christ be calling you to participate in peace-making or peace-saving? Where do we see it? Because when I look out, it's hard for me because I sense the dissonance, and it's especially potent this year last year where I see the Christmas lights and I know that existing in, in homes that are putting those lights up is pain and hurt and people almost hang their Christmas 
lights up. I remember early, early COVID, there was a conversation that I was having. I was like, as an act of resistance in mid-April, I'm just going to hang my Christmas lights up. Um, just because there, it, it draws something out of me. It, it, it reminds me of something more beautiful as possible. And I know that some people hanging up their Christmas decorations this year, maybe that's for you too, is an act of resistance to the chaos and the pain that you feel, the things that you've carried this year. Just in the small pockets of people that I'm close to, there has been so much loss, so much pain, so much hectic and breaking apart, so much distance. Just the people that I'm close to, the amount of weight that is being carried by the people that's in this room is incredible. And we don't, I mean, we don't have time in greeting time for you to say like, okay, tell me about the weight you've carried this year. (laughs) But I really would hope that you would have somebody that could do that for you because there's some heavy weights that we've all been holding. And I would pray that the Christ of peace, that Christ would be our peace, that as we come to him, that we would understand that he is a good and tender father, that we don't have to bring all of our pretty things to him and say, here, do you love me? Do you accept me? But there are times where we are so burdened that we say, I need to be caught right now. And so would we, would we go to Christ understanding that that's how he wants to hold us? So a couple questions to ask. What does that mean for you in your relationships? Is there something that is tenuous, something that is broken, something that is not whole, something where there is not peace, that you are called to be a participant in creating peace, being a peacemaker? Because peacemaking and playing nice are not the same thing. Peace making and playing nice are not the same thing. What does that mean for us as a community of Christ-formed people? How do we keep our unity through the bond of peace? Who do you need to go to today to make something whole? Don't put it off. Because by Monday, the river has washed away everything that I've just talked about. The pace of life, we will have moved on by 3 o'clock this afternoon. Who is it that, it that comes up for you that you need to send a text to? Or if it's not at that point, who can you just pray for? Who can you pray in your own heart, Lord, transform my heart towards this person? Lord, transform my heart so that I'm more tender. Transform me so that I can participate with my baptism, so that I can hold the peace, so that I can understand that I do not get to step off of my cross at any moment, that there's no justifiable reason for me to stop being Christian as I make peace. So we will move on now to communion because there's no better picture 
then the peace that, the, that Christ says that he is for us, then the communion table where he says, I have laid it all on the line to make peace. I have laid it all out there. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And the reason that we do the bitter herbs is that we would remember that wandering. We would remember the places that we are still broken. And the reason that we do it each week is it's not like we die to our sin once. We die to it every day. And in every moment that we choose life, we get to step out of the bitterness of sin and a death into the beauty of an incarnate Christ that lives within us, drawing us into whole life. And so that's the beauty, and that's the reason that we do the bitterness of sin and a death. And so I'm going to call up the people who are serving communion. We have grape juice and wine, and so read the cards um, if you aren't sure which one. And we will take communion, and then we will close in worship. And so, Lord, would you guide us as we strive to be people who look for the, the peace that you are creating that we would not settle for it counterfeit, Lord, and that we would be instruments of your peace, and that we would look, that we would look reality in the face, and that we would start with our own, that we would start with how it is that you would draw us to look at our own hearts. Thank you for coming and making peace at a place where there was none, and we call on that again. Amen.